And you got to get really comfortable overcoming obstacles. When you hear us on the podcast and other people on the podcast saying, oh, we made 12,000 on an assignment in our first deal. And then we made 35 on a flip and 35 on a flip. Well, that's not like talking about the hundred moments of doubt and decisions along the way for each of those deals. Like so many things go wrong and you just have to push through each thing that goes wrong and find a way around it and find a way to deal with it. It's not easy. Yeah, definitely need to get used to rejection. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. What's going on, Rhino Nation? It is me, Brent Bowers, your land man. I have two amazing guests today. This is going to be a little bit different kind of podcast than what we usually do. One of these guys, one of these guests have been on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast now three times. He brought his sister into the business to help him with his land division, and she is absolutely rocking it. She's going to share some of the failures that she had in the very beginning and how she just kept moving forward and how she kept moving forward and it's turning into deals where she's making $13,000, $30,000, $35,000 in one of these parcels of land was not even billable. Let's go ahead and get started with the episode right now. All right. Welcome, Scott and Alexandra. So good to get you on here. Loving the success that you're having. You guys are definitely unique. You do land and houses. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've got going on, Scott, and then Alexandra, uh, what you've got going on, a little bit about like your past, You know, what brought you into this duo of land and houses. Yeah. Happy to be on, Brent. So thanks for having us. This is my third time on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, which I never thought would... Uh, I again, so pumped to be there we go. Victory bell for the third time. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, uh, we wholesale here in Portland, Oregon, and we, we got into the, into the wholesaling up here in 2019. I took the original Wholesaling Inc. course, took TTP. And uh, so, so I've been around in the Wholesaling Inc. family for a while, which is which is awesome. So we wholesaled in 2019, 2020, we continued, we added uh, a bit of flipping 2021. We kept wholesaling, kept flipping, started adding some rentals. And I was really intrigued when I heard you talk about land on the podcast and you came out with the program. And I think I called you super early on and was like, Hey, I want to get involved, but I'm doing some one-on-one coaching. And, uh, and I wasn't sure if it'd be good to do one-on-one coaching and add a new arm to my business. So we decided to wait until the one-on-one coaching was done. And then I just needed... I still wanted to do land, but I needed a person to run it. So that's sort of where Alexander came into The brains behind the operation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Alexander's my sister, by the way. We should... Yeah. So I, I actually... I'll just give you a little bit of background. I've been in the insurance industry my whole career. And I was a risk manager prior to leaving my decade-long career and joined my brother in real estate, which I never thought I would join the family business. I was the only holdout, but here I am. <laughs> it's definitely... Well, when all business. you talk about at the dinner table is real estate, it's a family business. Hey, that's how we get our best private lenders, <laughs> by the way. We just talk about it at the table. Right, right. <laughs> so I, you know, just coming out of COVID, I was working from home. I had a very intense job. And started to go live in, like Scott mentioned, live in Portland, Oregon. I had to, you know, start going back to the office in downtown. I have a daughter. I'm currently pregnant. And it was just oh, a, a thank you. 
it was just a lifestyle and with the, you know, long days, intense schedule and just a very, very demanding job that I was like, do I really want to do this after basically being at home, you know, with COVID for a year and a half and it just kind of being a, a more relaxed lifestyle, but I still knew I wanted to work. So I just reached out to Scott at one point. I was like, do you need help in the business? And I met more casually, like, I'll just like call people or I wasn't intending to kind of start the land side of things. But then Scott was like, well, actually, you know, I've been wanting to start land. And so we got together and told me about it and sounded like a good fit. So we've been doing that since January. Amazing. Amazing. As a risk manager, I mean, looking at deals all day, that seems like it, it could transfer very well. To be honest, because I'm a, I was a risk manager, I've never considered myself an entrepreneur. This like scares the shit out of me a little that I'm doing something like this. <laughs> Excuse me. If so in a sense, it doesn't transfer well because I am very, I guess, risk averse. That's what I used to do was, was analyze risk and consult with public entities on their activities of, you know, cost of what they're spending and what the outcome likely could or couldn't be. So it's like to do this. I think like the strategic aspect of it has been very, very helpful, but Scott's just really optimistic. So I kind of lean on him for that because I'm just like, yeah, I hope this works. <laughs> like, yeah, um, a good, that makes a great partnership. Yeah. You know, Scott's like, let's just go. Yeah. You're like, let's check the numbers type. Right. Thing. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I definitely want to deep dive your success. I mean, because you guys ran out of the gate really quickly. I felt anyways with, with the land deals that you've done, you know. Do you mind if we just break down a couple of the deals that you guys have done in a very short amount of time for the audience, for Rhino Nation? I mean, Scott, he's a, literally an OG for the podcast here the third time. So I, I don't want to leave you out too much, Scott. I know you're more on the house side of things, but uh, you know, jump in and interrupt anytime. Yeah. And I just want to point out that Alexander, she's the brains behind this operation. She's running the land business. She fired it up. We just got the program and uh, and put her in a place to succeed, but she's the one that's actually doing everything here. And then we provide an infrastructure because we already got the direct mail set up. We got the cold calling set up, so we were able to just plug and play this. But okay, so our first deal, um, we were working out of Deschutes County, and we've actually since switched to a different county. But Deschutes County, Oregon—that's where Bend is. If anyone's familiar with with Bend, Oregon, got it. Our it took a. I want to say it took maybe 45 days or so to get that first contract. And I mailed the whole county. We only got one deal from Bend. And basically, that's such a desirable market. I think I picked too desirable of a market because especially during COVID, a ton of people moved up from California and some other states and just started buying property there. So it's like the offers I was making, people would almost literally laugh, you know, to my... Yeah. So it was just... But I did get one deal. And I want to say on that first deal, we made about 13000 but it took a long time to sell. Because one thing I also didn't think about, we started mailing in January, and there was a ton of snow on the ground. So people were trying to go out and see the land. And the day I posted that listing, I had someone say, send me your contract. I want to buy it. Had he bought it at that price, we would have made closer to 22000 but he couldn't get out there because of the snow. And then it was just... It, that was the same story everyone said. Snow on the ground, I can't see it. So it took a long, long time to sell that one. And we were still mailing. So like I was honestly a little bit discouraged at that point and just seeing one, the lack of deals at in that period of time. But finally, like we did sell it, made a nice chunk of change on that one, and then ended up switching, switching to another county up in Washington. Yeah, yeah we assigned that, that first, that first one. one. 
We locked it up. For it was like six, six grand. And then. Yeah. Six grand. Yeah. And it was close to the water. And then it turned out that it's unbuildable. It's just recreational. So, you know, we didn't know if anyone would buy it, but it just sounded cheap. And Alexander paid someone to put out bandit signs and we got, yeah. she got a million calls. The snow was an issue, but finally someone wanted it and we assigned it for. Yeah. It was like, I think, I think it was 18 or 19. Or yeah. I remember that when you were like, I remember having that conversation with you when you first started Alexandra that you had sent out to the entire County. And I was baffled that I think this was before you first even got that first yeah. purchase agreement signed, because that's such a good point when it's such a highly desirable area and we're offering, I don't know what you're offering, 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar. It's hard for some of these sellers to even come off of that because they, they watch the news, right. they see what, what properties right. are going right. for. So I'm really glad that, that you just kept with it. Um, there's a couple, you know, terms that you'd mentioned there. I definitely want to break it down for Rhino Nation for the audience. Anybody just kind of getting started in this. What do you mean by you assigned that deal or that contract? So basically, we had the property, we were set to close on it. And I think we initially did 45 days, we ended up having to extend that contract just because of the issue with the snow. And then essentially, we had the end buyer assign a purchase agreement, essentially agreeing to purchase the land from the initial seller. So we never okay. closed on the property ourselves. We just had, we were could have closed on it, but ended up just assigning it to an end buyer. So you got it under contract with the seller at a discount, ended up having to extend it because it's so much snow. Or I mean, when there's snow on the ground, I totally agree. My Colorado parcels of land, the stuff that's in the, in the mountains, man, that stuff is so hard to sell during the, during the wintertime when we get snow, especially if we take photos with snow yeah. in it. I don't know what it is. It's just people... I mean, one, they don't want to go to it because it's dangerous. And two, they won't buy it because there's snow in the photos. So... We've literally held on to some land until springtime just to take photos for that parcel of land because we knew we could either fire sell it during the wintertime or you know make a tremendous amount of money during the, during the spring and the summer. So thanks for breaking that down. And then recreational unbuildable. That really caught my, my ear there. You made $13,000 on a piece of unbuildable land. We did, yeah. It was in a popular camping area, kind of along a, like an offshoot of the Deschutes River. So, which is a very popular fly fishing area. So a lot of people, uh, yeah, would, would take campers and park campers there for a couple months or just go camping. So it was a popular camping area. This buyer came from somewhere else and he's a contractor. So he goes to Bend to work for like two, three months at a time. And he just wanted a place to put his camper while he was Man, there. that's a question I get a lot is who buys your land? Who buys all this land from you? And right there, a contractor that's a fly fisherman, or maybe not even a fly fisherman. You didn't mention that. He's got a camper, but that's your buyer. And so many people think, oh, well, the land's not buildable and they pass on it. And you made $13,000 mm -hmm. on a piece of land. A lot of people pass on. So that's amazing. And bandit signs. How did you find your buyer? Was it well, it was signs? through the bandit signs. Yeah. So I had six signs posted, just hired someone off Craigslist. She posted signs in the area and I was probably getting, I mean, 10 calls a day. And it was crazy how many calls I was getting. That's yeah. phenomenal. I actually, um, there's this area I'm trying to get my buyers list built in and I have this realtor that's now helping me, but she has a lot of listings on the sides of highways, mm. like major highways in this, this County in Florida. 
So we've worked out a deal with each one of these people. I've got two so far. One's going to allow me to put my sign up and it's a four by eight sign, both sides says cheap land for sale, my phone number, my website. One is charging me $60 a month and the other guy's charging me $80. That's cool. To have road frontage. So you saying that about signs really just, you know, lit my ears on fire. So, all right. Well, it's not like you wanted to go into a second deal. Yeah. So I actually moved into another county in Oregon only to find out that they weren't too friendly on people. The county, I guess, politically didn't want people to come and develop land. So basically any raw land, even if it technically was buildable, there are all this, just this, this red tape that the county was putting up so people couldn't actually build. So I talked to a couple land use attorneys. They're like, I would never buy land in this county. Like just, it's not, if, as an investor, it's definitely not worth it, which sucked because we had already spent some money on, on mailers and I had, you know, the infrastructure set up in that county. But I was like, okay, we got to pull out because it's just, I'm getting too many red flags right off the bat. So we had, ended up going to Washington and in a county kind of south, a little bit south of Seattle. And uh, we've had some good successes there. I think we've locked I, a couple of contracts I did have to cancel. So we maybe locked down five properties there, bought three ourselves. One's currently listed and have sold two of them on the MLS. So the one of the first ones we sold was another very cool, not oceanfront property, but it was kind of like on an inlet. And again, not... It, well, actually, no, this one was buildable, but I don't think anyone had built on that little inlet yet. We purchased that one for 32 and we ended up selling it for, I want to say, 75 Yeah, we made 35 but after expenses 35. and everything, I want to say, I'm pretty sure it was 75 Heck yeah. I'll just hit the victory bell for this. Anybody wearing headphones, just get braced for impact here. Here we go. I love it. That's amazing. Hey, Rhino Nation, if you are resonating with Scott and Alexandra's story, I urge you right now to share this podcast with someone that needs to hear it. Someone that's gotten, you know, like some boulders in their path or some obstacles they've got to get through. Please share this episode. And if you haven't done so yet, please rate and review our podcast. Five stars only. Let's get back into the episode. From when we bought it to when we got paid was only 22 Not days. Not bad at all. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And what stands out to me the most is I'm really glad, you know, we're, we're talking on this, this podcast interview for Rhino Nation, Wholesaling Inc. Because I've heard now two major milestones that you, you've been able to accomplish or just basically move through and you pivoted. You just kept moving forward, kept moving forward, kept moving forward. And you didn't stop where most people would just stop on the first county. I mailed the entire county. I only got one deal. And you guys, you're on your third county now. So that's just impressive, you know, just the stick to itness, the perseverance, the grit, you know, the rhinoceros success that, that you're pushing forward. So I think we have time for one more to break down that, that one that you, you're working yeah, on right so, now before we get. So, well, the one, so one we have listed, if that one closes at the list price, we'll make a little over a hundred thousand on it. So everyone cross their fingers for us. But the one, yes, prayers yeah. would be said. Tonight. Um, but the one that we just closed on, I want to say we closed on it maybe t- ten days or so ago. That one was interesting because we, so we obviously purchased that one ourselves and listed it within twenty four hours of us listing that property. We had an over asking offer, and which was great. So we actually had two, we had two offers. One was a builder. The other was just a couple was were and had been looking in that area for a long time for a buildable parcel. So this was in a. Um, little kind of bedroom community outside of Tacoma, semi-rural, also starting to put build suburbs in the area. 
So we accepted the higher offer and they ended up needing to extend for feasibility. And basically what we had and I had been hearing about this, but I'm kind of curious to hear what you're also seeing. But basically the market had been so hot what contractors were doing who were doing the development to get the land ready to build like sewer, sidewalks, things like that had jacked up prices so much that it made the development so much more expensive that they were expecting that they ended up canceling on the final day of their um, due diligence period. So in that period of time, because we had extended the due diligence period, I want to say it was another, maybe just another week. It could have been another 14 days. That's when the market, at least in our area, really started to change. And what had been selling like hotcakes, like we listed that and then 24 hours later had two offers suddenly everyone was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to buy land yet. Because mortgage rates started to go up. Builders started to get a little bit scared of, I think, buying buildable land. So that lot ended up sitting for maybe another 45, 60 days. It was a while. And we did one price drop on it. And then finally accepted an offer from a builder that was $30,000 less than that first offer. But we still made... I want What was it? 38 on that one, I think? 35. Um, so... Uh, still a nice profit from it, but not 65 that we <laughs> maybe could have made in the beginning. Yeah. Thank God you I bought know. it right. You got it under contract for the right price because I have seen that since about July 14th. The builders have slowed down a little bit on, on my side of the business for land, you know, because their, their hands been burnt before. I mean, just recently, you know, 2007, 2008. So they're not dummies. They, they see that the market kind of cooled when you, when you raise the interest rates. You know, that's going to slow the market down a little bit. One thing we've done to pivot for these types of things is one, we're, we're having to get them for less. We're having to get the land for less. But here's the thing with the consumers, they're usually a little bit behind. Right. They've been watching the news. They see that like the, there's building going on everywhere. There's skyscrapers going in their backyard. They're like, oh my gosh, I could sell this land for a million bucks. Well, that was yesterday. Today it's now 700,000 type thing. So it takes the consumer just a little while to catch up. So we're having to have more conversations right now and we're having to wait longer. You know, it's taken, you know, rather than three days to sell, it now takes 45 days to sell, which is like an eternity. Really, it feels like from what we've been experiencing. So we're just buying it with a bigger discount, more of insulation, basically hedging our bet, you know, the risk management a little bit. And, you know, waiting longer, it's still moving. And then another thing we're doing is offering the seller financing. That's really, really helping. And we are trying to get a bigger down payment to get a lot of our money back out of the deal. Does that always happen? No, but there's, there's times when it does help. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of my observation of it. When you say feasibility, the period of time someone requires in order to determine what is and is not possible with the lot. So looking at things like, is it septic? Is it city sewer? Where are the utilities going to go on the lot? How much is all of that going to cost? Just the general research needed to actually figure out what they can and can't build or if they can build on the lot. Got you. How in the world are you buying these things at such massive discount? Like what is the process? Are you just in a postcard or a contract? Because I've I heard you mention contracts multiple So times. what we've just been doing, initially we did letters in our first county, Deschutes County. And then to this county, we, we switched to postcards. And interestingly, I have also noticed our response rate has dropped off a little bit in the past month and a half or so. But I think what I want to try next is postcards with an offer on the postcard. 
and see if see, we're going to enter a new county after after we finish this one, which we actually we just finished. Yeah, okay. so curious to see how that works. Absolutely, and, and I love the the changing up too as well. You know, you'll get response from postcards that didn't respond to your letter. And for anybody listening to this, if you're interested in the tribe postcard, just go to thelandsharks.com forward slash postcard. I'll give you the exact postcard that I use uh, and I've used to purchase a ton of land and houses with. So that's yours for free. Scott, Alexandra, if you can give any advice, and, I, and I'd love to hear from both of you, to someone just getting started, you know, what would that be? Scott, do you want to go first? Yeah, you got to decide in advance that you're going to do it and do whatever it takes to get your first deal. And like my, I've told this story before on the podcast, but my first year, I didn't wholesale anything. And I tried, I, I was spending my wife's paycheck on marketing and we were in Southern California. We didn't wholesale a single house that year, but I had made up my mind that we were going to do it. So instead of quitting or continuing to flush money down the drain, we pivoted, we moved to Portland, Oregon and tried it up here and, uh, and it worked. But my, my point to all that is you just got to decide in advance, make the decision that you're going to do whatever it takes and then stick with it long enough and have a positive attitude. To decide just to cut off all other options and you just kept moving forward. That's, that's amazing. Thanks for um, Mine is kind of along the lines of Scott is in, in also being mindset is just to stay positive. And that's something that I, I wouldn't say I continually struggle with in this business, but just maybe my risk manager background, I don't know, I can be doubtful. And I just, I think everyone going into this when there's a lot of uncertainty, it's easy to just kind of get down and, you know, doubt the system, but just staying positive, I think is, and just remind yourself, okay, I thought it would take this long. It might take three times as long, but just to keep going and just stay positive. And you got to get really comfortable overcoming obstacles. When you hear us on the podcast and other people on the podcast saying, oh, we made 12,000 on an assignment in our first deal. And then we made 35 on a flip and 35 on a flip. Well, that's not like talking about the hundred moments of doubt and decisions along the way for each of those deals. Like so many things go wrong and you just have to push through each thing that goes wrong and find a way around it and find a way to deal with it. It's not easy. Yeah, definitely need to get used to rejection. Yeah, thick rhinoceros skin. You know, I used to have a rhino on on the wall as my background. And it reminded me every single day, you just got to charge forward. You got to take on the torpedoes. Problems will come up. And if you can pivot or walk around them or jump over them, like there's always going to be something coming up. And the whole thing is, is just, hey, we'll get through it today. We'll live to see another day type thing. But we just, uh, we had to dump one of our properties. Like, we didn't make a single penny on it. And most people get on the podcast and we talk about all the great stuff, all the wins and we're ringing the victory bell. But there's times when we have a sucky deal too and we just got to get rid of it and just move to the next one. And I already had already forgotten about it until I brought it up just now. So <laughs> guys, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate you so much. Here you have it. They started out in Portland and they shifted. You know, the first county mailed, Alexandra mailed the entire county list and did one deal and still sold it for $13,000. This was a non-buildable piece of land. Uh, these guys were super, super resourceful. If you're interested in getting started in real estate, I recommend you go right now to wholesalinginc.com. And if you're interested in, in starting in land, that's wholesalinginc.com forward slash land. Fill out an application, schedule a call. And if we like what you have to say, we might even invite you into the Rhino tribe. Thanks so much. God Thanks, bless. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. 
That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.